0: in an abandoned underground city at the spanish coast near malaga i found a usb stick containing 300 random movies from arthouse to weird from obscure to notorious now in lockdown it is time to watch and discuss them all in an international podcast project two turks and a german to filmmakers and a mystery man welcome to mysterium pictorum welcome welcome to mysterium pictorum episode 24 and today we have a guest paula is back paula who are you hello
1: hello it's good to be back with you I am Dr. Paula Blair, uh, I am gonna throw the weight behind my film studies doctorate here, I'm just gonna whip that right out mm-hmm. and say that I am a scholar of film and visual studies. And I make audiovisual cultures podcast and it's super awesome to be back with you guys again.
0: Yeah, amazing Yay. to have you back and uh, great that you're straight informing everybody about your uh, doctorate degree. Um, so uh, <laughs> if anybody has any issues with this episode of Mysterium Pictorum, that's because- because you're doctor. dumb. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we're right. You're wrong. Na 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 na. Uh, Nissan. Who are you?
2: Um, I'm. I'm Nissan. I am. Uh, I'm a an filmmaker and an actress. And uh, I'm really happy about this episode. Also, um, I think this is the second uh, movie which is based in the city we live
0: yes exactly this is the the second hamburg film but we're going to talk about that uh in later on in the discussion because it doesn't say it's a hamburg film it says it is set in holstenweil but um yeah there's there's stuff to say about that jaren um who are you
3: hi i'm jaren and that's all you need to know and i had no idea it was set in hamburg actually
0: yeah, that's that's actually that's insider knowledge, uh, because mm-hmm. we studied up uh, to keep up with our, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um So. Uh, Wait, who are you, Lars? oh that's it's i'm so glad you asked because i would have forgotten i would have <laughs> forgotten who i am uh pathetic like uh jackie chan in uh the classic movie who am i uh yelling who am i have you guys seen who am i with jackie chan i have not idea have, yes. what yeah. you talking about it might
3: be the first Jackie Chan movie I saw.
0: It's 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 great, right? It's <laughs> it's, a, it's a great film. It's one of those one of mm-hmm. those good ones. But okay, um, let's not discuss Jackie Chan. Let's discuss someone <laughs> way more important. Me. Um, <laughs> my name is Lars Henriks. I am a, a director, writer, and actor from Hamburg, Germany. You can find out lots of things about me on www.larshenriks.de. I'm also on TikTok at Lars Henriks and on Twitter at henrik. Lars, Uh, right at the moment we're in the middle of uh, theatre production Um, so that's why I am uh, absent from social media most of the time I am so sorry I am not updating my blog or my TikTok as frequently as I used to when I was bored (laughs) (laughs) because uh, bored I am not right now, but still I am uh, glad that we all found the time to uh, come together and watch and discuss uh, Dr. Caligari and if you guys listening think Wow, these busy, busy people, they they take the time out of their day to uh, to provide me with uh, an, an insightful discussion about this classic movie. I should thank them somehow. Um, yeah, I think so, too. You should thank us somehow. Um, there's an easy way to do that. Write us an iTunes review or, an, or a review wherever you listen to podcasts or tell people about this podcast. That would be amazing. And uh, if you write us an iTunes review, I will read it in um, this series section of the podcast the mailbag let's have a look into our mailbag today shall we oh it's empty But uh, Paula, thank you for uh, the 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 only um, <laughs> iTunes review we had in weeks.
1: That was mostly about myself. <laughs>
0: <laughs> to the movie. Uh, okay, the question uh, that we that we need to address first of all is how did everybody like it? And I think Paula, you're the guest. You can go first. How do you and how did you like this time? The Cabinet of Dr Caligari.
1: Okay, um it's a good question actually because it's a film I've seen many times and I rewatched it just this morning. Um, and I've been thinking all week about the very first time I watched it, which is when I was a film undergraduate many years ago. And, you know, it was one of those where you thought, yes, this is what I've come to university to study film for. Um, and then this morning when I was rewatching it and after you know many years of studying film in a formal way and learning about the history, And the aesthetics of film, I thought, gosh, this is actually a bit bland and boring. Um, Mm -hmm. And basically, Tim Burton's never made an original film
0: ever. So (laughs) (laughs) that's kind of what
1: I was thinking about this morning. So yeah, there's probably
2: a lot to get into with that.
0: Okay, bland and boring. That's a hopeful start. Uh, Nissan, how did you like it?
2: I'm still not sure if I haven't seen this movie before. I think I, I've seen some of the scenes uh, in YouTube essays or stuff like that. Um, we talked about it yesterday too. This, uh, it was all a dream twist. We've seen this like uh, hundreds of times.
3: Wait, but so that now, was the twist? Ah, because I wasn't I mean, sure that's about how that.
2: I how I understood it. And I, uh, I think... Uh, And we have that with many films um, from, you know, a hundred years before. I think at that time that that was probably mind blowing. Maybe it was because it was made for the first time and um, I'm uh, okay with that. But I hate that twist, Um, especially in in the movies I've seen uh, like the last 30 years Uh, I really love the style, though. I mean, I want to have an office which looks like Dr. Caligari's office. Uh, I really like the the set design, the visual looks, and I was not bored. Um, I I enjoyed it, but um, it was not mind-blowing for me.
0: Okay, uh, not bored, but not (laughs) mind-blowing. We we were slowly uh, getting a bit more enthusiastic. Um, Jan, how did you like it?
3: Okay. I'll switch my perception in this movie because I really enjoyed it. Surprisingly, the, as Nissan mentioned, the style was great. I didn't expect it to be so. And how they formulated the different acts, how the movie progressed, it was, it felt timeless. Like it's a hundred year old movie, but it's still, uh, how do you say that? Um, uh, understandable in today's terms, or it, it doesn't get boring because when, You watch some old movies today, it feels slow, boring and so on. This didn't feel like that.
0: Yeah, um, I must say uh, Dr. Caligari was never one of my favorites among the German Expressionist films, which uh, most of them I I love and I really love the style and I have a a fascination with this uh, era of filmmaking um and 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 caligari is is regarded as the first it's not really the first but uh it's 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 um it's one of those foundational ones and everybody loves it uh and i always had my problems with it uh, most of them yeah they 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 stem from stuff like the twist which i really dislike um mm. so do the original screenwriters by the way um really yeah, yeah, yeah. The, 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 there was even, uh, they even threatened to 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 have a lawsuit about that. That that that's all that's all coming up. That's wow. all interesting stuff later. Okay. Um no, but uh yeah, uh I I it, it it was never one of my favorites. I never really got the hype, but when I watched it this time, I liked it a lot better than usual. So um I don't know the the, the scene in which uh, Caligari um actually goes mad for example I was like I I, I don't know I never I never really uh, perceived this scene the way I I did this time um and 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 the whole the whole atmosphere um it worked a lot better uh, for me this time than it usually does but usually yeah uh, I think it's it's one of the blander ones uh, it's a bit tame uh, somehow, and, and, I don't know, I, I, it, it has almost like, it, like it has two or three twists, and um, every twist uh, goes more into the Scooby Doo direction. Uh, it's <laughs> less and less wonder. It's less and less uh, interesting. So um, yeah, there's there's problems with it. It's a it's a flawed masterpiece. But um, yeah, I I think it is a masterpiece. Um, how did we watch it, Paula? You said you watched it uh, this morning. Uh, did you watch it on a big mm-hmm. screen, on a TV, on a laptop, on a phone?
1: I watched it on my laptop. So. I- I had a an MP4 version of it that I had ripped from a DVD quite a while ago. So we probably watched a very similar version to what you've watched, I imagine. It was the 1996, um, what do you call it, remaster with a, with a new soundtrack on it that was released in the mid-90s.
0: Yeah, that's uh, that, that that's interesting. This time, by the way, um, the, the the soundtracks. I guess we uh, we probably all have seen different soundtracks because uh, most of the versions that get released uh, of, of of these silent films always have their own soundtracks. Um, we we watched a remaster from the 2000s uh, from the FW okay. Mono um, foundation they they have like a little DVD label um that 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 specializes in these um in these expressionist films um it's it, it it was on a DVD and the soundtrack was truly awful. Like um, it, was, it was distractingly terrible um, and 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 on purpose. Like um, the, the scene, uh, you guys tell me if, if 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 this was similar in the version you've seen. Uh, because who knows? Maybe we did uh, have the same soundtrack. The scene in which uh, the somnambulist, Cesare, goes and abducts Jane. Yeah, like the dramatic, mm. uh, the, the, the dramatic climax of the whole film. Mm-hmm. Um, they played like flutes in your version too? Mm.
1: Mine was a string. Mine's minor key strings. Mm.
0: Mm, okay, yeah. So we, we did watch the most terrible one. <laughs> yeah, it's
1: by The one I had, the music is by Timothy Brock, if that helps if that helps people identify it.
0: Hopefully, uh, I, I I actually don't know who who <laughs> our, our
2: sounded like Game Boy sound effects. Yeah, right. right. It,
0: it was like like flutes that <laughs> did sound like 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 uh, eight bit music. It was it was terrible. And then later on, there was like a whole orchestra again. So the flutes <laughs> were a choice. <laughs> they, they didn't the most have Dramatic do. scene. <laughs> yeah, really weird. Um, I think the 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 Mono Fo- Foundation always tries to emulate the original uh, music, but. Um, no idea about this soundtrack. I haven't uh, really paid attention because I really didn't like it and I don't want to name the names of people uh, whose work I trash. Jaren, did you like the soundtrack in your version?
3: I didn't like it at all. I watched it on YouTube. I'm not sure which version it was because there were multiple uploads of the same movie. I just chose the one with the uh, least annoying looking uh, grading and the filtering. Mm-hmm. Or the coloring, so I, I have no idea which version it was. But the soundtrack was, yeah, a bit off.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I catapulted as ahead had there. Um, let's let's quickly sum up the story. Um, I'm I'm, I'm going to try this. Uh, uh, by the way, just a, just a quick uh, disclaimer. Ever since uh, we've watched the film, which was last night, uh, right after we watched it, um, our cat vomited up a bunch of living, moving worms. Uh, oh. So, so the, the the film kind of paled in my mind, and I hope uh, oh. I haven't forgotten uh, stuff Can I, I, I yeah. think
1: that's quite interesting because expressionism is about externalizing the internal feelings so really that's what your cat
0: was doing it was a bit like performance art Absolutely. really if you think about it I, I, I think you 100% on the money there because uh, the cats have been thoroughly <laughs> captivated by the movie uh, they, they, they have watched it like no film before on our uh, uh, sc- screen I they one were one of them
2: was even holding Lars's leg and yeah. was like really scared they, 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 they were hypnotized they were fully
0: immersed and then she vomited up the uh, living worms oh, so uh, today um, I, 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 I spent uh, I, I spent the morning at the vets and um, uh, we, 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 we've been uh, disinfecting our uh, our flats and it's it's really disgusting and I think I think you know what uh, like um, horror is often about about stuff like that like I'm thinking about Alien I'm thinking about uh, different horror novels I've read and I think I um, most horror authors uh, have cats, and, and that's, that's where body horror comes from. It's really disgusting and I'm never oh touching that cat anymore. But yeah, um, just, just, just saying it, it, it can be that I forgot stuff, um, so, so correct me um, if the worms have eaten my memories. So, uh, Dr. Caligari starts with an old guy and a young guy And they are sitting on a bench And the the old guy talks about ghosts uh, To which the young guy replies Yeah, 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 that's all very weird But let me tell you a really weird story about me And that woman who's walking over there and then uh, the story starts. Uh, the story is about um, Francis and Ellen. Uh, Francis really, really likes his friend Ellen. Uh, he's incredibly happy and dancing through his room after seeing Ellen through a window. Um, <laughs> Francis and Ellen are super bestest friends. Um, then they decide to go to a fair in their little town of Holstenwall. Holstenwall together um at this fair Which there is, is here yeah 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 but but more on that later at this fair um there is uh yeah th- th- there's a tent um by Dr Caligari um Dr Caligari as we are told now uh went to like the town officials to get <laughs> a, a permit for his uh act um his act is a somnambulist which means like a sleepwalker. And I know that's very uh, anticlimactic. Um, it sounds boring. That's because it is. He's, mm-hmm. it's, it's a guy who sleeps <laughs> and then he tells him to do stuff. It's, it's, it's a really bad sideshow act. Dr. Caligari is, a, is, is, is very bad at this. Um, and, and the town official is rude to him. And then the next day, the town official is mysteriously dead. Back
1: to Ooh. Francis
0: and Ellen at the fair. They go to, um, to Dr. Caligari's little sideshow um, and they look at the somnambulist who for some reason, like sleeping people, can, uh, can foretell the future. I mean, it's a thing, right? Um, of course. Ellen asks uh, the somnambulist when he will die. I mean, that's a stupid thing to do anyway. And uh, that is promptly proven by the somnambulist answering tonight um which i like that's a that's a bummer um they 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 uh they they then um decide to ignore that um and a scene happens in which (laughs) ellen and francis meet up with jane who they are both in love with and then they go around the corner the three of them then ellen and francis come back and talk about how they are both in love with her and uh, how they will remain super bestest friends, whoever Jane picks. And then they dance apart, uh, sort of in love with, with Jane or with each other. We will never know. Because in this <laughs> night, um, Alan is murdered. He is murdered. Um the next day, Francis uh, gets told that Alan is murdered. He is distraught. He runs to the police and makes weird pronouncements uh, to the to the policeman. He says, uh, I will not rest before I know everything about this these mysterious goings-on. And the policeman sort of nod and, <laughs> and that's it. Um, then uh, a copycat murderer gets arrested. Like, at first, uh, we think this is the serial killer who, like, we don't think that, but... um. The policemen apparently think this is the serial killer who murdered uh, the town official and um, Ellen and now tried to murder an old woman. But the guy says, no, 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 actually, I had this brilliant plan. I I was planning on murdering that woman anyway. um, And I just wanted wanted it to look like the the serial killer uh, did it, which I think like brilliant plan. That (laughs) guy, uh, very good thinking. Uh, Still, he gets thrown into a prison cell. So... Uh, yeah, tough for him. Um, Francis isn't happy with this. Francis goes and investigates Caligari and Cesare. Uh, the police allows him to do that. We don't know why, but we, d- we know that he asked. Um, now, uh, Francis, uh, w- while Francis is watching Caligari and the sleeping Cesare, something inexplicable happens. Cesare breaks into Jane's room. Uh, Jane lives in like a huge loft apartment like with, with 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 very high walls. It's amazing. Um he breaks into it and abducts her, much like King Kong later uh, will. Um and 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 he he uh carries her over the roofs of Holston Wall. There is a chasing scene. It turns out that uh the sleeping Cesare has actually been a puppet all the time. Uh they do recover Jane, but Kaligari escapes um francis can't have this he runs after caligari uh, until they come to an asylum uh, and then uh, francis thinks oh caligari must be a patient here but no it turns out caligari is the headmaster of the asylum um, after Francis oh, uncovers oh. this uh, the doctors working uh, at this asylum happily help Francis going <laughs> through the private notes of their boss um, he must be really heavily disliked um, there is lots of reading then going on they just show the pages uh, on the screen um, we get to know that there has been a Dr. Caligari in 1702 who had this traveling act where he had this somnambulist who did all kind of, uh, kinds of atrocities uh, for Caligari and then um, kindly, Caligari has uh, put this all down in his uh, personal um, diary. Uh, Caligari uh, talks about like writes about how uh, a somnambulist has been admitted to his asylum and how he then became that uh, historical figure that Caligari. Um yeah, so uh, the, the 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 asylum headmaster, uh, Caligari, he is crazy. But then, no, here comes the twist. Actually, it's Francis who is crazy. We are back uh, in the framing device from the beginning. Uh, Francis is in that asylum. Uh, Caligari is the uh, good and, and sane headmaster of said asylum. And Francis just suffers from delusions. That's the story. Did I leave anything? Did I forget anything?
1: I don't think so.
0: No, I think you got everything.
1: Yep, I think that's uh, plenty to be getting on with, Lars. That's <laughs> a good job.
0: All right. Uh, so Paula, um, <laughs> you chose among our vast list of films that um, that, that, that that we are going to cover here, uh, you chose this one. I mean, OK, so actually you chose um, Nosferatu and then we switched films because uh, there's a book coming out on the producer of Nosferatu that hasn't come out yet. And I really want to include um, the new stuff that mm-hmm. uh, they uncovered in that book. Uh, into the podcast episode. But yeah, your, your plan B was Caligari. Uh, why is that?
1: Uh, well, I think as I said earlier, you know, it's a film that I think meant a lot to me as a film undergraduate student. And um, I, it's a film that has been hugely influential throughout German cinema and throughout cinema in general you know for the past hundred years i think it's a hugely important film um and i think learning about expressionism was a way in for me to develop my interest in avant-garde and experimental cinema very generally as well so that's you know a very big area of interest for me as a researcher of film so You know, I'm really drawn to German Expressionism. Um, It's maybe not a research area specifically for me, but it's just so important to everything that is a research area for me, if that makes sense. So um, it's a film I I, I really, you know, gives me a lot of really nice memories from my younger life. Um, And I, uh, but also, you know, as somebody who has gone on to focus on research that's, um, you know, focus on film and visual culture in post-conflict societies. It's a film that means a lot as well because it's that immediate post-war Germany, 1919. This is a country rebuilding itself. It's a country under lots of different types of rationing, including electricity being rationed, which is partly why it looks the way it does because that's one of the practical responses to the set design because they couldn't light it in the way they wanted to, so they painted it that way. Um, you know, there's lots of stuff like that going on. And then the story that it's trying to tell. So I think as you were saying earlier, the initial screenwriters, so it's Carl Mayer and is it um is it it's somebody Janovich, I yeah, think. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, it's um exactly. Hans Janovich. Um so they you know, that this the story that they wanted to tell was just the bit that becomes Francis's paranoid delusion. That was what they wanted the film to be. Um, and so it's I just find it really fascinating what then the framing device does to that and the production history of this film is really interesting so there's, there's really loads of different angles that I still find really interesting even if I think visually it's not as radical as it presents itself initially you know really if you think about it the cinematography is so boring it's just so <laughs> plain and bland I mean the cameras were massive they were heavy but you know you could do something more interesting with them than just point and shoot. You know, it's hugely theatrical. A lot of it's not actually that cinematic in a way. It's all mise en scène, and it's all very stylized acting and makeup and costume and set. um So really, there's not a lot of of cinema going on there. But what it but what it influenced was really great works of cinema that we wouldn't have without this film. So I think it's just a, one of those pivot points in, in history and in the history of culture on this planet. Um, you know, it's part of human modern human history, I think that's just really important. So that's some of the some of the stuff that really draws me to Caligari.
0: There are so many points in there that, that I really want to talk about. And I'm really excited when talking about like uh, Expressionism because, yeah, I, I love it. And I think there's so much potential still uh, in there to, to milk. Um, but we, we won't be able to cram everything that could be said into this podcast episode, uh, sadly, but we'll try. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk mm. extra quickly. Um, Jaren, uh, had you seen Dr. Caligari before?
3: No, this was my first time.
0: Uh, had you had you had experience with uh, German expressionist silent cinema before? I don't think so. I mean, I've seen the
3: basics. Like, no, I don't think any of them were German. I was Metropolis German? I don't. Think
0: yes, so. yes, 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 It was.
3: Oh, then yeah, I I just saw that one, and okay. that's basically it.
0: Um, and 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 any 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 um, observations since this is one of your first times with with expression expression expressionism. <laughs> any anything anything special that you like? Did it strike you as uncinematic too? Um, I
3: mean, to be frank, that was the part I actually enjoyed. Like it's not like cinema, but more theatrical, and uh, you don't see much in terms of you know framing of the scenes and so on. But it's more based on you know, uh, actors' expressions and how they react, how the sets and the costumes were designed and so on. So I really liked that aspect.
0: Yeah, Nissan, you were saying like that everything really looked like a painting because because everyone in in these uh, sets was also moving and behaving like they would uh, in, in those paintings.
2: Yeah, and also uh, for example, uh, the scene which you already mentioned when uh, what was her name Jane mm-hmm. when she was sleeping uh, and he was uh, the the emo guy was,
0: uh, <laughs>
2: Cesare Cesare was uh, was out to kidnap her. That scene looked really like a painting from a fairy tale book the way she was po- positioned looked not very comfortable for the <laughs> actress and it also didn't look like a bed it looked more like I don't know something they they put to to make it look uh, um not dimensional and uh uh a uh, asymmetrical, I meant, uh, and it, it looked so cool. And I loved those, uh, those moving scenes, moving painting scenes.
0: Yeah, it's so interesting that you both uh, say that it was it was really theatrical because I've just read some uh, contemporary articles from Germany from that time. And they were uh, all about like uh, a relevant discussion in Germany ever since uh, film first uh, appeared. Um, so since like, uh, since before the first world war was uh, the question, um, and, and, and this question might sound ridiculous for international ears now, but this uh, discussion is very much not over in Germany or maybe it is over and it has been decided a different way than in the rest of the world. Um, People were discussing if cinema was and could be art. And the, uh, the general answer was no. And uh, Dr. Caligari was uh, mentioned as and 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 hailed as like one one early example of uh, here uh, cinema has has um, moved away from theater for the first time. It's not just a filmed stage play without sound. Uh, for the first time, there is something more happening here. Something that 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 can't just happen on a stage. While I think it could, like you could have these sets on a stage. I don't know um, <laughs> what, what, what. Yeah,
3: I don't see what was the point. I think exactly as it would be on a stage
0: yeah um but yeah uh, that 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 was that was very much the 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 consensus in berlin after the uh, after this premiered at least according to um the book uh I have open right now. There were like uh, (laughs) articles about how, how, yeah, for the first time it looked really different. So um, they were taking baby steps back then. Um, Also, what I found interesting was that, 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 um, and again, this might be uh, an entirely German thing, that uh, people said for the first time film is something that comes close to art and also this is one of, one of the first uh defined horror films so um here when 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 people for the first time uh, experienced film as art it was when film became horror and later on and this is true until uh, this day horror film is uh very much not art uh, i mean internationally that's a, that's a thing that gets discussed but in germany that's that's gospel like a horror film cannot be art it's always trash and just trash genre and pure trash in
2: general not yeah. only horror like um uh, and i think it's i think i i think i'm not 100% sure but like german expressionism film that was the last era of genre and fantas- fantasy for German film,
0: yeah, and I think maybe that that even has to do something with the arguments that uh, Siegfried Krakauer made later on. Uh, maybe there is something like an inherent, like a, something like a like a fear of of uh, that darkness that uh, got expressed here. But I'm getting ahead of myself. Um, Paula, can you can you uh, concisely define expressionism for us?
1: Well, uh, it was a it was a movement in the late 19th century. It came out of that, um, and it was more of a paint movement. Um, And it was very bright colours, very bold shapes, geometric shapes. And it was a way of externalising the internal. So the the fraught tensions that are going on inside you that you can't get out. So maybe that's because you're in a very stifling situation social milieu where you're not allowed to express your feelings and you have to be quite stoic about things um you know uh, but also this is the early modernist period so life is becoming much faster paced and industrialization is rising and you're seeing massive change you're seeing the rise of this city um you're seeing people having to commute uh, on on you know very packed busy transport carriages and life is getting stressful and there's not really so much of an escape for that and so then you get paintings um such as uh, Edvard munch's the scream you get those versions of that painting where you know it's a face that's you know looks like quite spectral and it's screaming but it's surrounded by these swirling bright colors they're very vivid paintings um So it's quite interesting then when when expressionism in film comes along and it's called German expressionism expressionism as a painting movement was much broader than that you know it was across many European countries Um, but German expressionism I think was because there was this particular group of filmmakers in in this period Um, I mean I think Caligari is probably as you were saying it's probably identified as, as an early one of these not the first but certainly the first that people really I think took notice of and it paved the way for the films that would come after it in the 1920s. So, this was a film that was made in 1919 and er- released in early 1920. And so then films like um, The Golem and Nosferatu and Metropolis and, I mean, even into the 30s with M, you know, there, there were lots of films that would come off the back of this that just may not have had that lineage without this film uh, and certainly not without that painting movement, that idea of, ex- uh, of externalising the internal. So you're also getting simultaneously a rise in psychoanalysis and psychoanalytical theory um and people sort of thinking about the mind and the brain and you know freud and carl jung and uh, their ideas about about our psyche about what's going on in our minds um and then this is converging as well in as we as we say this wartime period um, where you've had the first world war in the late nineteen tens, and you know a country like Germany trying to emerge from that and rebuild um and also it hasn't had an influx from other cinemas so u s cinema is rising rapidly at this time um and it's overtaking very quickly these other cinemas because in Europe they've had this war so cinema production had really slowed down and ground to a halt in a lot of places whereas in the US it just took off in the 1910s you know so you've got D.W. Griffith you've got Charlie Chaplin you've got all these massive names in cinema history rising up in the US and none of that's coming to Germany there, there's been a ban so with expressionism then you've got this of tailing of quite a lot of different things going on. Um, you've got this rise of of avant-garde practices because this is happening in France as well with data and surrealism. Um, you know, you've got um I think futurism as well is is happening more in Italy. Um so the, there's just this there's just this big network of avant-garde practices rising but also this rise of commercial cinema with this very new medium that you know people don't really know necessarily what to make of just yet and Caligari is this convergence of so much of all of that and, and probably a lot more
0: yeah, perfect. Um, I, I just want to quickly recommend a book that, that that I've read to everyone who is listening and interested in that kind of stuff. Uh, because, yeah, um, like this goes into into like a lot of what you've said. Um, there's a book, I don't know if you know it, it's called Wastelands by uh, W Scott Poole.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, I, I haven't read it, but yeah, yeah, I've heard
0: okay, of it. Okay, so 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 that guy gets a lot of uh, gets a lot of shit. Like he's a um, h- historian who who writes um, ab- ab- about different topics in horror, and uh, every time when I read um, reviews to his books, it's always about like, uh, yeah, this lefty is just trying to uh, prove his own worldview. Um, but I, I mean, I'm a lefty, so I'm fine with that. Uh, <laughs> uh, it's uh, yeah, w- w- wastelands. Uh, the 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 um, subtitle uh, like like no the the um, the tagline is um, I, I think how modern horror was born in the trenches of the First World War and yeah it talks about a, a lot of that how how like the 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 experience of the First World War then gave birth to. Um, Especially German Expressionism in um, in film, and yeah, uh, Caligari I think has more than uh, meets the eye to do uh, with uh, the First World War, um, especially surrounding all the asylum stuff, and that 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 that's something that uh, I, I I think in between reading that book and rewatching uh, the, the film, this was like the first time that I've uh, rewatched Caligari since I've read that book, and uh, this time this struck me a lot more. Um, the the stuff about um about psychology as you said um like uh, pool uh, talked about how um the people came back from the first world war which was like a war that was different from any war that has been fought before and that like the 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 soldiers were kind of um taken by surprise by the by the amount of of violence and cruelty that was unleashed on the battlefield um and uh, that that that, that uh, people came back and were like, for example, uh, they called this shell shock. They were severely traumatized, and and uh, many of them not not really uh, able to then uh, get back into society anymore. And so all these new asylums were opened where these people were supposed to be treated, but they were basically dumping grounds. And this was something that happened in the middle of society, like everybody uh, could be affected by that. Everybody knew someone um, who who came back damaged uh, from the war. So um, this kind of new thinking about psychology, um, which there was new, that that, that was very much on everybody's mind. And so I found it very interesting to have this film set in an asylum, um, because that apparently was such a a symbol for the trauma of war. Um, So that makes uh, uh, Janovich, especially like one of the screenwriters, he has uh, written a lot about his intentions um, when writing the screenplay. Um, and and he, he also has been doubted a lot, um, but it makes him more believable when he says this is a parable for, um, for the war and and this is a parable for, like, uh, he then said, like, later on, people said, uh, well, we can see Caligari, the dictator, um, we can see a rising Hitler, and we can see Cesare, the uh, poor German people led astray. I mean, that's, um, that's bullshit. <laughs> um, but 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 Janowitz uh, was, was talking about um, how this film is about soldiers in the First World War and how, how they get told to do stuff that they wouldn't otherwise do. And I think that's a bit more believable. Uh, I still have my my problems with that whole reading because it takes responsibility away from uh, the people. But um, yeah, uh, I, I, th- th- this time I saw a lot of uh, war metaphors in there. Jaren, uh, did you get any First World War vibes from the film at all?
3: I didn't get any.
0: <laughs> Interesting. And it still worked for you?
3: Yeah, I just liked how they framed the movie in general. I didn't care. I, mean, I didn't even think it was horror when you come to think of it. Like maybe people were easier to scare back then, but I mean, today's terms, yeah.
0: Yeah, it was
2: more like a thriller crime.
0: Yeah, like a psychological thriller, right?
2: Yes, like sh- uh, we we talked about that yesterday too, like Shutter Island.
0: Yeah, Shutter Island. Same is, twist. Shutter mm-hmm. Island is Caligari. Uh, but <laughs> Mora, um, I know that this is a discussion. Uh, where do you fall on this? Like, uh, what wh- what do you think? How consciously political is uh, Caligari?
1: Uh, I would say it, it uh, it's really on the nose. I, I think it's <laughs> um, pretty explicit for me. Um, that yeah the 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 story of francis um and the story that we see francis telling um so most of the film plays out and that's us seeing what francis is is telling the old man at the start um i think that certainly is an allegory for the war uh for the conflict um i mean if you think about it just on the back of what you're saying just to expand a bit this is the fir- the world's first mechanized mediatized war so this is Bigger, badder, on a much more intensive scale than anyone's ever experienced before. So this is really important. This is the first war that there have been cameras present at and the first war where uh, you've got machine guns and you've got this you know the the, the automation starting and the the tanks and everything you know so on and on the scale that it is and then you've got the conscription so not the voluntary joining of the army but conscription of people so people forced into fighting a war that they don't believe in on all sides so again there's a, a huge amount going on here um, so yeah, I think definitely for me, yes. And then the framing device makes it a bit more problematic because you think, well, it's not an allegory for that because of what the framing device does is it means that actually authority is really benevolent and that's not what was going on at all. This guy is uh, is paranoid. He's got a delusion. And then when you think it through, um, I think it's Noel Carroll, a film scholar who a number of years ago had had written a book about this sort of thing and the first chapter of that book is about Dr. Caligari and, um, and responding to Krakur's book um, from Caligari to Hitler and, and all of this and um, you no, know, Carol makes a very important point that well Francis was traumatised by something this guy has trauma this is a trauma response even if it's a paranoid delusion and it didn't really happen well something made him sick what was it? So was Francis a soldier? You know, was Francis a soldier in a war? And it's a question mark. I mean, I've never really been entirely sure when exactly the film is set and where exactly it's set because Holstenvall might not even be a real place and a lot of it is you know there's a big italian influence because caligari and cesare and the fact that the the real inverted commas dr caligari was doing all of this in northern italy um comes through so it's not even 100 clear where we are in europe we just know we're in europe somewhere um in this film so is holston wall even a real place um, in the world of the film, for example. You know, so again, yeah, so there's a lot going on there. There's a very confused young man. There's a very confused young man who thinks he's in love with this girl. By the way, Jane is the only young woman in this whole town. <laughs> <laughs> like, there's no one else for anyone to to want to court, um, to use uh, older language. And, um, you know, and the fact that you know it's these young men are having this amicable but maybe not quite um you know sort of what do you say uh yeah sort of triangular. triangular you know triangulation of of jane um because they can't really be in love with each other can they even though they clearly are um, <laughs> you know it's, it's kind of there's a reading for this film of being an early queer film as well possibly um that, you know, the, the rival must die and that sort of stuff. So, so anyway, I'm sort of I'm rambling <laughs> off the points. But yeah, there's, again, there's a lot of depth to all of this. Um, you know, so yes, for me, I think very much so. This is a post-war film. This is a post-conflict film. This is about a society having to, this is about the art in a society trying to get the society to go, what have we done? What what has just happened? You know, um, how much responsibility do we have in that as the people? How much responsibility do people in authority have that who led who led us into this? And what are the repercussions of that? What have we done to our young men? Because let's face it, it was men, it was there was not women in the army at the time. They were making the weapons and stuff, but they weren't in the army doing the killing at this point. Um you know, so there's a lot of big questions, I think, from this film. And I think that even if the framing device diminishes the allegory, I think there's still something going on there. I think there's still questions to be asked there.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, I think uh, that, that, that um, like especially to a contemporary audience back then, like uh, first of all, expressionism even as an art movement was very much tied to, to the war experience back then. I'm thinking about people like Otto Dix uh, who was a, a visual mm-hmm. artist who was who was just painting haunted faces of soldiers who have come back. Uh, I can I can only recommend uh, looking at his stuff. It's it's amazing mm-hmm. work. Um, so, so, so 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 for people back then also like this this kind of art had everything to do with expressionism. Plus there have been two films before Caligari that uh, were identified as expressionist or uh, pre-expressionist films. One of them is a French one. It's called jacuzze. Um, I, uh, in German, it's Ich Klage An. Can somebody translate Jacuz to uh, English? No. no. I accuse, yes. Okay. Yeah, yes. So, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> could have been so simple. <laughs> so uh, that's like an early zombie film in which uh, soldiers from, I think, World War One just come back, uh, like the dead soldiers from a, from a bat- battlefield stand up and come back. I haven't seen the film. I've just read about it. They actually remade it, by the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They they, they remade it, I, th- uh, I think, like, after the Second World War or something?
3: No, no, no. Uh, like, two years ago.
0: Oh, oh! I didn't know that. Okay, so yeah. so there's there's um, more than one remake of that. Yeah. Um. So so that was uh one that was uh, cited as the first expressionist film. So that has ha- had had very clearly like very much more clearly than Caligari to do with the war. And then the other one is called Nerven Nerves, uh, which is set in an asylum too. And that also like without the without the um without the layer of fairy tale just uh, tells a story about. Uh, traumatized people so um, I think Caligari even took one step back from uh, from the direct political films that preceded it and mixed in this um uh the the tradition of romanticism um into into the storytelling like people like E.T.A. Hoffman who had written these sort of like fairy tales for grown-ups for example the name Caligari and the fact that he's uh, like from Italy in the uh, in in 1702 that's that's straight German romanticism like if you read E.T.A. Hoffman uh in his in his books I don't know what it is but um the the bad people always have Italian names <laughs> 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 like, like in, in in the Sandman by ETA Hoffman uh, oh, I, I actually forgot the name but 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 um, the, the that tradition of German romanticism has been adapted by early horror writers then later in the US uh, for example um, Rappaccini's daughter by um, Hawthorne or something. Um, okay, whatever. This this tradition of, of uh, naming the baddies Italian that's that's actually a thing from from uh, German Romanticism. And then on the other hand, uh, holstenwall is a place in Hamburg. It's a part of Hamburg. Uh, it's it's okay. uh, at the at the red light district. And uh, Janowitz mm-hmm. had been in Hamburg. And he had, uh, he, he's talked about this, he has said uh, that he he was in Hamburg and while he was there, there was a serial killer on the loose um, who killed mm. prostitutes. And in the book I've read, uh, they actually researched that um, and found out that Janowitz was mistaken. The authors mm. of the book uh, I, I read apparently don't like Janowitz at all. <laughs> they, yeah. they, mm-hmm. All the time they go, yeah, Yanovitz. Uh, he said this and that, and um, it's it's like he, he's a liar. It's it's not genuine, um, and 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 that's uh, in, in that book. There's a lot of uh, stuff against him being as political as he um, made himself out to be, um, which I don't know uh, who, who's right. But uh, about this about this murder case, um, there was a serial killer on the loose when Yanovitz uh, was in Hamburg, and uh, his victim one of his victims was found in holstenweil um but that serial killer murdered children uh and the Mm. and the victim that was found was a little girl like a little eight-year-old um and uh, I've I've read the I've read the articles like stuff like that wouldn't get described in, uh, described in that kind of sordid detail um, that was used like in 1913 um, when 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 this case was reported on. Apparently, they did not catch the murderer. Um, but 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 that story reminded me of M like so much.
1: That's the M story. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, yeah. So, so yeah, may, may, maybe, maybe both of these films, uh, go back to, mm-hmm. uh, like, uh, but, 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 I think, I think they don't because M like that there, there's a, there's a concrete murderer who Lang even talked to, uh, but whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, that, that, that kind of thing apparently happened uh, b- back then in Germany more than once. And, um that's the dark um the, the, the dark disturbing story that uh, inspired uh, janowitz to um come up with the whole Cal- Caligari thing mm-hmm. um you wouldn't know when when looking at the film um paula have you we we we've, uh, we've talked about that very briefly in the beginning um before we started recording the Krakauer book. Uh, we cannot ignore it when talking about uh, Dr. Caligari. So um, Siegfried Krakauer, a German uh, film critic who uh, left Germany when the Nazis came to power because he was Jewish, uh, he got, I think, commissioned by the CIA or something, right? Uh, to, to, to write a book about um, uh, about the German psychology and how it was reflected in, in uh, German film. Can you tell us something about this Im- uh, important book from Caligari to Hitler? <laughs>
1: um i'm really rusty on this to be honest and i'm i'm kind of more familiar with noel carroll who um much more recently well in 1990 it's published a book and as i say the first chapter of that he really confronts the cracker book um so i mean i i don't know i don't know how much e- anything useful i can say here because again this is this is Way way back in my undergrad years, and I've forgotten so much of this. Um, but I mean, Kracour I think if if I'm getting this right, Krakouer um, really focused on the author- authoritarianism. So the Caligari figure as um, being painted by Francis as this megalomaniac who you know wanted to gain control over everyone. And then it turns out Francis is actually psychotic and having a psychotic episode. And actually Caligari is very benign and um you kind and knows how to cure Francis. And I, I don't know, I I I get left with the feeling from that that that's still quite ominous to me. <laughs> <laughs> There's still something really creepy about it. This guy Caligari. but yeah, I, I, I mean, I, am sorry, I don't, um, I don't think I have much useful to say on Cracker. I just i i just don't remember enough i think to be useful on that one <laughs> i'm afraid
0: <laughs> i think the most interesting thing about about uh krakauer uh, like I, I i've tried to read that book and um i've given up it's it's like uh, uh, krakauer was close to the to the frankfurt school people and if you've ever tried to read adorno like um imagine adorno but he's writing about film um <laughs> <laughs> it gives you a headache uh but but um i i i've i've Read and 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 seen a lot of re- responses to Kakawa, and um, especially um, and this is why I I tend to 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 be quite aggressive on this point. Um, last night, after watching the film and after um, Nissan cleaned up the worm puke, um, <laughs> I uh, briefly watched the beginning of uh, one of the documentaries that are uh, as included as bonus material on the DVD we've watched. And that documentary started, and I I am so sure that this is misrepresenting Krakauer because he wrote his book before Auschwitz was discovered. Um, Mm. uh, The the, the documentary said, yes, like Siegfried Krakauer said, uh, this film uh, anticipates the German people being led astray like somnambulists by a hypnotic. Hypnotic uh, despot, and I got really angry because uh, that's something that Germans love to say about their uh, their their mass murder grandparents. Um, Yeah, they were good people who were led astray and hypnotized. Like, watch a fucking Hitler rally. You cannot get hypnotized by that if you're not a terrible (laughs) person. I am sorry, your German grandma is evil. Uh, like, w- w- actually, go and watch Jew Zeus, like the 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 great propaganda film that made the SS people do what they did in Auschwitz. You cannot watch that film and and then be angry at Jews if you haven't been an anti-Semite before that. Whatever, um, like like that's that's I think a misrepresentation that 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 I got confronted with a lot. Like this is about this is anticipating that that the Germans will be hypnotized by some kind of. um some, some some kind of uh, yeah, yeah um, master of uh, delusion, um, which which yeah I I have real problems with that but uh, mm. yeah that's that, that that that's not actually what he said as i uh, gather and it's uh, and it's more about uh, also how the, the the framing device changed the um, the meaning mm. of the film and i think what's especially interesting uh, is more like it's his method looking at popular films from a place and, uh, and 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 thinking about okay what what are the tendencies that we can see there um, and I've seen, a, I've seen a YouTube video essay. I cannot, um, I cannot take credit for this uh, thought. I've seen a YouTube video essay about the Krakauer book because I wasn't able to read it. So I thought, let's watch a YouTube video essay about this. <laughs> um, and that person was then, uh, uh, was then prompting uh, their audience to think about um, contemporary films and what tendencies are there and I think, uh, in that video, uh, they talked about, uh, Marvel films and, 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 and how they were like patriotic and stuff like that. Um. I thought today that um, thinking about about people like uh, the, the new brand of conspiracy theorists we have, like the people who are right now in Germany in the flooded areas throwing stuff at people helping there, um, th- those being the same people who uh, a few weeks ago were protesting any measurements taken against uh, the COVID outbreak. Um, I keep thinking about the Joker, the Joker film and about how... Um, like in Batman films films, the Joker always has has people who follow him and who also want the chaos and who also want to see the world burn. And like oftentimes critics will point out oh, that's not logical. And now I'm looking at the headlines and I think there they are. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's <real>. Um <laughs> So that's just a, a fun little tangent. Mm-hmm. Do you guys have, have similar, um, observations about stuff that, 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 that is popular in films that starts to appear in reality?
2: I think that's a great theory because uh Corona showed us because Corona was is a, a crisis which the whole world is affected by and I think it's so interesting for someone who knows uh, three languages and has an uh idea of three different or four different cultures that those kind of people those anti-mask people uh without communicating with each other that they they just became that. And I think that's so interesting that we have those people here in Germany uh, and they're in the States, they're in the UK, they're in Turkey. Mm. And I don't know who started it. Okay, now we know Joker started it. <laughs> it's so interesting. Interesting. I think that's so interesting. And those are always the people who are... Not so um, open and uh, uh, interested in, you know, in outside of their little boxes. So I, I, how, how did it happen that they're all the same? It's so
0: crazy. And I saw them in Batman movies first and now they <laughs> in reality. And now the question is, did Batman movies create them? Or did Batman movies somehow anticipate them?
2: Maybe something between both.
0: What does Kakawa say? Do we know?
1: I'm not too sure but I suspect that social media has a lot to do with the widespread of it all because i think these people all have always existed they have we we know they have because historians have gone back and gone like here was the plague epidemic and um there were nutters who were still going to the pub even though there was this plague that was commu- a communicable disease and they were still going to the pub and not bothering to isolate themselves um and they spread it around all of europe and um with the flu epidemic, uh, the flu pandemic 100 years ago, you know, in 1918, people ignored it. People didn't believe it. They hung out together. They spread a communicable disease, you know, because they didn't believe it, you know. So it, it just historically, this has always been the case. But I think we have social media and people feel entitled to a platform and for their voice to be heard, and so misinformation spreads a lot faster and farther than it ever did before. So um yeah, you can blame Batman if you like, but <laughs> still a fictional character, and social media unfortunately is all too real. <laughs> so
0: I think I blame Christopher Nolan uh, that's who I blame <laughs> um because I do not like his films. um Jaren, are you a Nolan fan? <laughs> <laughs> mm,
3: not recently no.
0: Yeah, good, good, good. So, uh, Mysterium <laughs> Pictorum officially blames Christopher Nolan. Um,
3: <laughs> yes, stop spending money on your suits and actually do something for the society.
0: Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh but, but but fun little uh, nugget of information here. Uh 1919 is when um Caligari was made and I think the Spanish flu um was from uh 1918 until mm-hmm. uh, 1920. So yeah, it was still That's going. still too. going. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. yeah. It's,
3: it's also uh, interesting, right after the war, they actually found the money and the time to make this.
0: Yeah, I think. Um we, we we're getting into the making of um, portion. Mm. Uh, this this is going to be an overlong episode, but I think it's stuffed with great information. <laughs> um, let let me let me try to 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 steer us into the right uh, direction. So um, mm. the inspiration. I have talked about the Holstenweil thing. Um, now let us quickly go over the acting. Um, Paula, uh, do you know anything about uh, Max Reinhardt and his influence on German Expressionism?
1: Not very much, to be honest. I I just. You just, just vaguely, not very much. So you go ahead, Lars.
0: Yeah, uh, I'm. Uh, I'm so sad to say that I don't know much uh, either. Okay. Uh, um, <laughs> so, so there's a book. There's, uh, <laughs> uh, there's a book. Uh, it's right now lying uh, under my laptop. It's called "The Haunted Screen" by Lotte Eisner. It's the definitive book about uh, German Expressionism. And I Max have a Reinhard. bit of that
1: right in front of me right now. I actually. I have copies <laughs> from that book from when I was an undergrad right in front of me.
0: <laughs> yeah um so so so, so, so we've both uh, looked into into that book for this um because yeah. uh, i've 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 uh, just just an hour ago, I, I I have read her chapter about Max Reinhardt. and um correct me if I'm wrong. But all I found was notes about his way of lighting the stage,
1: which they couldn't really do for this film.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um exactly. Uh but 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 uh, I I was hoping to find something about his acting technique. So so he, he's like the German Stanislavski and all I uh, I can find is yeah, he used stark lighting. Yeah.
1: Um I don't, I know a bit more about Brecht, but that was more relevant with your Goddard stuff which we're not going to get into you know, we're not going to rehash that trauma
0: no 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 go down on this. Do, you, do you
1: see now <laughs> why I didn't want to do Alphaville? <laughs> yeah. I felt yeah. so sorry for you all during that
0: <laughs> so the the, the, the the main reason uh, Reinhardt seems to be um, uh, important is because because all these actors came from his troupe uh, in this case Conrad okay. Weid uh, who played mm. uh, Cesare and uh, Werner Kraus um, who was a Nazi um uh, fight yeah. he, he left Germany uh, Werner Kraus was a Nazi fucking Nazi bad person but uh, he was also from the Max Reinhardt company great actor though right Caligari I I uh, I was mesmerized by his performance real real fun mm.
3: Now that oh, yes. you said he was a Nazi, I'm not sure what to say. <laughs> well, it's just
0: I that, you there's how there's you you.
2: awkward silence now. <laughs> yeah.
0: I, I, I'm sorry. That's that's we, we have to we we have to get over when talking about German cinema. This is Germany. Everyone's a Nazi or was a Nazi or was raised by Nazis. I'm sorry, but uh, still uh, Werner Krauss really funny. Like like there was so much humor in his performance. Like right.
2: The, the woman who wrote Metropolis was also a Nazi. Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah, von yeah. Which yeah. I, I didn't, didn't, didn't like. Nazi. I have to say Metropolis. You didn't like it nope not at all we're going to discuss that later on (laughs) (laughs) metropolis in the list i i hope so Ah, okay um okay so 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 no observations about werner Krause's acting well
1: it just shows you how how easily somebody can be benevolent because he's really quite kind and sweet at the end of the film and he, he looks quite genuine when you know there's that bit where he's looking up towards the direction of the camera and the intertitle is saying, I know how to cure him. Now, I know what's wrong. I know how to cure him. And he he looks genuinely like yes i'm i'm really gonna cure this guy but then i'm left thinking what the hell are you going to do to him <laughs> like he's traumatized <laughs> enough and i know what you people did t- to people so, <laughs>
0: yeah. yeah
1: so i'm quite concerned actually about what you think this treatment is. you know so he acts very benevolent but then i i'm left wondering but are you really you know so he he definitely conveys that
3: yeah
1: and you know. There are plenty of right wing people who, you know, if you fell in the street would help you up. You know, people aren't entirely bad and, you know, it's something about the human race that we have to confront in ourselves. So, yeah, it's a tricky one. (laughs)
0: <laughs> here's, here's one uh, one last thought about the acting because I I, I read something that uh, one of the set designers said um, uh, l- l- like back then uh, the auteur theory wasn't really out um, and and no, like most of off. yeah most of the people taking credit for the creative decisions of this film weren't the director. Um, mm. but and and, and uh, also concerning the, uh, the the directing of actors. So one of the uh, set uh, designers actually seems to have uh, spoken to the actors uh, on how to uh, act their parts. I think this goes again to to what you said, Nissan. How the actors just completed the paintings uh, apparently. So so that 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 comes from that. Um, Werner Krauss uh, at one point uh, apparently asked one of the one of the set designers why he was always supposed to like play like he had a hunchback and like uh, mm. hunched and, and uh, hunched over and, and, and like have a weird posture. And they said, well, because you're evil. <laughs> um, and and this is this is interesting. Like going back to to even the brothers Grimm, who who were really big on the idea of evil people looking different, looking looking or
2: disabled people. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Uh, l- l- looking disabled, looking
1: was well, eugenics, isn't it?
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: Eugenic yeah. stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah,
0: exactly. So so um, uh, I I just want to reiterate: Germany rotten from <laughs> the core. <laughs> mm. Um, okay, so, so that's, that's, uh, the acting, then, uh, I have talked about the earlier instances of expressionism in film, so now we're at the shoot, and, um, uh, yeah, one, one thing I've read that, 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 I think is amazing is they only had one and a half to two weeks to build the sets, apparently.
1: That's uh, oh it was so amazing. quick back then. Yeah. You would I mean Charlie Chaplin in Hollywood was shooting whole movies in a couple of days at this point. You know, Max Linder in France, again the same. You know, you'd I mean it wasn't the feature length that you this is this is quite early for a feature length. Um, you know, they were shooting these um, you know, three or four trailers in a week. You know, it was so quick back then and because you're not dealing with sound, so you could just, you're just pointing and shooting the camera. Mm. You just, you know, you could do it really fast back then. You're mostly using daylight. A lot of these sets would have been outdoors because they needed daylight to film it.
0: They also uh, thought of these films as quite disposable, right? That's why we don't have many of them anymore.
1: Yeah, they didn't store them properly. Um, people were jobbing directors. The director's name was not a big deal. That's why you know, hardly anybody's heard of Robert Vinea, is it? Um,
0: uh, Vina, who yeah. directed
1: this film, Vina. Um, and you know, because the interesting, this is something I find really interesting about this was a, a young Fritz Lang was approached to direct the Cabinet of Doctor Caligari, and apparently it was Fritz Lang who came up with the framing device idea.
0: Yes, from what yes. I've
1: read, um, and you know, so you've got this young Austrian upstart, um, just trying to make it big in the German film industry, um, you know. But he's off; he's too busy. He's got other stuff to do, um, so he couldn't do it. Uh, but yeah, has uh, has given this idea. I mean, I don't know exactly. Um, I think it's the Lott- Eis- Lottie Eisner um, text where it's pointed out that. It's well it's kind of it's a bit frothy how it's written but it's sort of indicated that Lang thought well the audience isn't really gonna get this if you just do this pure allegory yes. so we should frame it we should couch it in something for them because they're they're just not gonna get it it has to some of it has to be realist so I think that was part of the idea was that The expressionist part might be too much because this is a commercial movie we're talking about, but it's using these very avant-garde, very experimental arts processes uh, in the set design and the theatricality and everything. So apparently it was Fritz Lang's idea to have that more realist framing device so that the audience would connect with it a bit better. So, you know, whatever we think about the politics of it, they're also making a movie that they want to make money from. So it always comes back down to that capitalist concern of a burgeoning film industry. Um, You know, so I don't know, maybe, maybe you have other thoughts on that, Lars and everybody else?
0: I think making stories work for masses always will make the stories more fascist. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, I've I, I read that like the, the the framing device is a point of massive contention, and uh, Fritz Lang actually at some point said he he did not come up with it. He came up with the right. first scene. He said it needs mm. this first scene to lead people into it. Uh, he he, he d- was not on board for the for, for for the last twist. That was not his idea. Um but, but 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 as i said like uh, everybody from this time says a lot of stuff they contradict each mm-hmm. other everybody calls each other liars and there isn't much documentation about this apparently the first version of the script already had a framing device um even though mm-hmm. janovic said uh, he he uh, hated the framing device it was probably different than than it is now um and uh, Robert Weine uh, or, or Wiener, um, like the films that we still have of his, many of them have framing devices. So mm. this might have something to do with him too. But yeah, it's all uh, often attributed to to, to Fritz Lang. Um, they shot this in three weeks. And uh, yeah, Paula, you were talking about how they didn't have a lot of power, uh, like electric, mm. uh, electricity, Um yeah can you can you tell us more about that?
1: Well, it was being rationed at the time, um so they just didn't have access to par for very long in the day. um They would use their quota and um i mean I'm not. <sighs> hugely knowledgeable about the studio system at this time um but you know it was that post-war period again and electricity let's face it was again itself a, a reasonably new technology so it wasn't widely available anyway in 1919 but for the movie industry I mean it takes so much power for everything they need um and so they would use up their quota really quickly so it was it was easier to just have the sets outdoors during the daytime and paint the lighting paint the shadows on everything so it's quite a practical decision as well as an artistic decision to make the sets look the way they do and to paint the buildings the way they are um and then it just follows into the aesthetic that you'd have the windows in those angular shapes those distorted quite jabby shapes that everything is um yeah so so it so you could say oh it's expressionist and it looks like that for a reason but actually they just didn't have enough power to light the damn thing
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I i think oftentimes when you read about uh how films were made like the best creative decisions were made out of uh necessity um mm. which in this in, in in this case too like yeah And how did you like uh the general look
3: that's the one thing i really loved actually that's mm-hmm. i think that's why i like the movie a lot
0: I, yeah i think i think i think that's the main thing it has going for um itself uh Jan, did you like the acting at all
3: i mean it was over the top and you know what you would expect from a 100 year old movie since it's relatively new and everybody's coming from theater background so yeah, maybe it was okay.
0: All right, uh, so so that's the making of the film. Uh, three weeks uh, they took to shoot. Apparently, it was it was a, a, a fun affair, and everybody um, liked it a lot.
1: There's um, a monkey that we never hear anything
0: about. Oh yeah,
1: it's the most naturalistic acting in the whole thing. I think <laughs> the wee monkey on the organ is <laughs> trying to bite everybody. <laughs> if you if you watch it again you should watch out for the monkey it just tries to bite everybody that comes past it it's really funny
0: i didn't see that that's great. The, the, the
3: sad thing is whenever i watch these old movies i always think oh that dog is dead or that monkey is dead, so.
0: well yeah, the people right. are all
3: dead too i don't give yeah, a shit about people, people. <laughs> yeah we have enough people we don't have enough animals dogs.
0: are cool. <laughs> Yeah. That poor monkey. <laughs> I, I will I will watch out for the monkey. I didn't see it trying to bite anyone. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> it's, um,
1: like, it's like snarling at everyone. It's great. Yes. It's brilliant.
0: <laughs> so uh, ba- ba- back then, uh, it was a big thing. The first uh, expressionist film, uh, like when I read the, the, the newspaper articles, it reminds me of like the hype before Avatar, like a uh, big 3D <laughs> film. Uh, and, and in this case, it was just, it's expressionist. So, um, I, I, I love that. Um, and they, uh, they had a really, um, they had an innovative ad campaign, uh, which reminded me of one that was, uh, that, 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 was repeated, uh, later on, um, like in the late nineties, uh. Weeks before uh, Dr. Caligari came out, uh, everywhere in, in Berlin, in, in like train stations and everywhere, there would be, um, there would be ads saying, you must become Caligari. Mm-hmm. And nobody knew what that was supposed to mean. Much like later on, before the Matrix came, you know, Uh, you remember Mm -hmm. the question, Mm -hmm. what is the Matrix? Mm -hmm. Um, So, so yeah, influential, even, even in its ad campaign. So you must become Caligari. It was, it was everywhere. Um, And then they revealed it. It's about this, uh, it's about this film. Erich Pommer, the the producer and and other people involved with it were uh, quite sure that it was going to be a massive failure. But it wasn't. It was a blockbuster. People loved it. Um, Oh, really? Nice. Yes, uh, at least in Berlin. I don't know about the rest of the world. Uh, Paula, was it a big thing in the UK? Do you know that?
1: Oh, I don't really know that history. But I mean, I think this is one that has really endured and people know of it. So I would say it probably did quite well. But then again, in the UK, a German film might not have done very well at that time. I don't know. I don't yeah, think Yeah, possibly, so.
0: possibly. I mean, I mean in the in the in in, in the US uh, or 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 like in places like Spain, uh, these were these were big. Um but uh, uh yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe maybe possibly not. Um uh, Yaren, Nisan, do you know anything about this in Turkey? Like did your grandparents ever tell you about the time they went to the cinema to watch Caligari?
2: Um I have no idea how how it was in Turkey.
3: There are a lot of Turkish versions in on YouTube. Uh, At least it's appreciated now, but I don't know, at the time.
0: Um, Yeah, but uh, then let's talk about how this film gets appreciated now, because this is an influential movie, right? Paula, can you tell us something about this film's influence?
1: Gosh, well, I know that it really paved the way for a lot of films coming from Germany in the 1920s. Um, But then also that will have had the knock-on effect of influencing a lot of the émigré directors who would have gone to Hollywood. So people like um, Paul Lenny, who uh, was probably one of this group who would have made expressionist films in Germany and then went to the US and was making expressionistic films over there. So the stirrings of horror genre in the United States, and then you know we've got um, the likes of the Universal horrors that would come up, and they use very much the techniques that are coming out of this film. You know the sorts of when they have the lighting, they will use lighting to make that chiaroscuro effect with the very bright lights that cast very long dark shadows. Um, you know, so really the horror genre as we know it is indebted to. The cabinet of Doctor Caligari, um, and I don't know. I imagine that there's probably, probably. I I imagine even things like Disney would have got. Every time I see Caligari and the gloves, do you know the gloves with yes, the? Yes, I, I gloves. meant to
3: ask about the gloves. Actually, why? Yeah. Is that? because
1: Mickey Mouse has those gloves, basically. So <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which um is a big question mark. Um, you know. So I think even just stylistically little little elements like that I think will have just come out of and influenced culture in a very broad way. Um the big and the small. Um I mean as I sort of joked earlier, every Tim Burton film ever made is basically a remake of this film. Um, you know, even the look of Cesare is very Edward Scissorhands. hands, you know, so um I think it I, I think you can't really underestimate how important this film has been in, in every aspect, in every way. So the storytelling, the look of it, uh just just all of it, you know, the problem solving, um, all of that hugely influential. Um, but yeah, and I think even just that that in that sense of like culture has to deal with the immediate past, you know, that um that culture is a response to Something major and a collective trauma that's happened, but yet it's still a work of culture and it needs to make money, um, and so it's had an impact in maybe those more commercial spheres and um, you Hollywood cinema that is, you you know, channeling that to create genre, but also the avant-garde as well, um, you know, in terms of it's actually, you know, it's quite a vibrant film because, I mean, we think of it as a black and white film, but it's not, it's not really. It's got all these colour plates in it, um, all these colour filters. So it's actually quite a, a vi- visually quite vibrant film um, with lots of different colours going on. Um, and, you know, certainly for, in terms of the avant-garde in general, experimental films and experimental art will always hark back to caligari as well because again it's it's just that idea of how can we use cinema to express a psychological state of mind it's just comes back to that question. And so that might reverberate through. We may, we'll come back to this when we get to Maya Darren in your list. Um, you know, those questions are going to keep coming up in the avant-garde as well as in the commercial cinema. So I think I, I think you really can't underestimate how far and wide this goes. Uh,
0: yeah, uh, definitely. Uh, I, I wholeheartedly agree. Um, Jaren, have you seen echoes of stuff that you know when you watched this film?
3: I mean, now that you guys mentioned that Tim Burton makes a lot of sense. But mm-hmm. other than that,
0: I was really hung up on the Mickey Mouse gloves. I don't, <laughs> I'm not sure which one came before. Caligari, definitely. I think Caligari looks a lot like Mickey Mouse in general. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I like think if, so. If, if well, you want I mean, to show they're both evil, evil, evil <laughs> old Mickey Mouse... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Like if you, if, if you want to make a film about how evil Disney is, Caligari is your guy. Yeah, mm-hmm.
1: Walt Disney did not like the Jews. <laughs>
0: no no and and Werner Krauss didn't either so um yeah. you know perfect match yeah perfect match Nissan did you see stuff uh, reflected that you know knew like did 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 you think oh that's where that came from
2: um i had that way more with when i watched metropolis i saw like uh, i don't know hundreds of different science fiction epic movies we we know now um, by Calgary, I don't know why I was, um, keep thinking about, um, Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. Mm. Um, also with the Jazz, Jazz Barrett character. What, what, was, what was it? Jazz Th- That was the one I, I kept thinking of.
0: Yeah, I think but the, yeah yeah right. Caligari uh, surely is influenced by 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 that idea of a of a mindless creature.
2: And yeah, as as we said like at the twist in the end, uh Shatter Island and also somehow American horror story the Asylum season. Yes.
0: <laughs> yes, very much so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, when they went through all the people in the asylum and they were all people from from the main narrative, like that's that's the wizard of Oz right there. But yes. yeah, <laughs> When, yes. when, when when all these when all these crazy people were introduced yeah. uh, that was very much uh, American Horror Story Asylum and yeah also Shutter Island I think owes a great debt to um dr caligari and i think our inception too
2: so, i mean the style the 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 you know
0: the i mean this might might be one of the first if not the the first instance of a mindfuck movie um, <laughs> do you guys can you guys think of of an earlier one with with like this kind of shire melon twist
2: <laughs> I, I i'm not sure because i think uh back then there were monsters i mean there was this fantastical stories or. Realistic
0: stories, and this one, this one wasn't even just the the sc- Scooby Doo twist. It's 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 like really, it's all in the mind. It's like a a proper mindfuck. Paula, you're the doctor. Is there an earlier <laughs> instance of a of a mindfuck movie?
1: I'm trying to think, um, and this is not my period. I, I am more <laughs> of a contemporary person <laughs> with an interest in early cinema. Um, I can't think of one. I know there were very early Frankenstein films but i don't know if they i don't think they would have used a framing device or anything like that or a twist so i'm really not sure i mean cinema the feature length as we know it was really only just starting to emerge around this time so there there a lot of the time there just wasn't time films were one or two rails before this you know they were maybe and, um, and a reel is about 12 minutes, you know, so they were what we would think of as shorts. So there wasn't a huge amount of time uh, given over That with films like this, which were more like about four four or five reels. Again, they're just, it, it was probably rare. I'm not sure that this would have been the first, but it was probably not done a huge amount before, or at least not in other countries, not too sure. Mm.
0: Okay, good, great. We're almost uh, at the end of my notes. Um, Mm. We've we've talked a lot. Uh, There's there's some things left to say. Um, uh, Paula, are you familiar with either the uh, Caligari sequel from the 80s or the Caligari remake from the 90s?
1: I haven't seen them, but I am aware that they exist.
0: Okay, okay. Uh, so there is um, there is a weirdly porny sequel apparently from, <laughs> from, from from the 80s. It's just called Dr. Caligari. Caligari's from bedroom. No, 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 no. Um <laughs> uh, just Dr. Caligari. Uh, it's by Steven Sayadian uh, apparently like a, an avant-gardist um, with a thing for naked people. Um, I haven't seen it, but apparently it's really good. Like uh, everyone uh, writes glowing reviews for it. Uh, now I want to see it. And then there's a remake uh, from I think the late 90s or even early 2000s. Um, it's by David Lee Fisher. Um, and in this one, actually, Doug Jones. You know Doug Jones? It's the guy in the monster makeup in all the uh, Guillermo del Toro movies. Oh, yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. I
0: don't know academy really tall award won jones yeah exactly exactly um he he plays cesare um in this version mm. they just filmed it in a in a um in a blue screen or something like that um and and they had the the the, the original backdrops uh, put in there i cannot say i'm a fan plus i don't think uh, Caligari um gains anything from being a film with sound like that's the only change they made mm-hmm. they talked Uh, I I think, I don't know. Jaren, did you think this works as a silent film for you? Is it, was it entertaining to you?
3: Yeah, actually. I mean, also the style of the, uh, dialogues were great. So
0: I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Right. Looked great.
2: Yeah, I agree. I, I, um, I can't imagine it, uh, just to, just to, uh, repeat it with sound. Then they have to, I I don't know. I haven't seen the movie, but then they have to uh, come Mm -hmm. up with, something new something individual
0: mm-hmm. yeah yeah um it's unfortunate uh, I, I i don't think people like it a lot uh, i know that david lee fisher also said he was going to remake nosferatu the same way um which i think is a terrible idea plus uh, werner herzog already took care of mm-hmm. that um <laughs> but, but 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 yeah i i want the nosferatu remake by robert eggers but apparently that's not happening um, Wiener, Robert Wiener, the director, went on to make two more, uh, or even three more, um, Expressionist movies, uh, Genuine, Genuine, um, Raskalnikov, both of those not horror films, um, more about, like, one is about, um, addiction, I think, and the other one, like, m- maybe an early, uh, like an early version of Requiem for a Dream, uh, and the other one is, uh, an adaptation of, uh, Dostoevsky. I don't know which one. Um, and then he made Orlok's Hands, which is an expressionistic uh, horror film. I haven't seen it. Uh, Paula, have you seen either of them? I have not. Amazing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> then, then, of course, uh, Caligari sparked that whole wave of uh, German expressionism, which I think is uh, yeah, incredibly interesting. Plus, it uh, was the playground for Fritz Lang to basically invent every film genre we know today. Um, <laughs> Uh, yeah and and uh, that's 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 where I'm done with my notes. jaren did you have anything written down that needs uh, to be addressed?
3: Mm, yes actually it's not more of, I mean it's more of an observation than a point but Kaligari looked like someone who enjoys the smell of their farts. <laughs>
0: I'm glad uh, I'm glad that <laughs> <go> the <without> older mention.
2: Smell the fart, I think.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's wow. that's from, from friends. Yeah, deep cut. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, um, uh, but, 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 but talking about looks uh, after we've uh, established that uh, Dr. Caligari is Mickey Mouse, just old. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> Cesare uh, is like every gothic kid, every emo, mm. right? His look is so contemporary.
2: Which also uh, suits what Paula already said. He's like basically every Johnny Depp character from uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. Tim, to, from a Tim Burton movie.
0: I think Edward Scissorhands is like very consciously just yeah. ripped from Dr. Caligari. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and plus uh, Tim Burton then made the very expressionist Batman with which we come full circle
3: Ooh. <laughs> um,
0: yeah I, I think I think it's it's such a shame that that uh, this mode of filmmaking like the, the expressionist filmmaking uh, basically died out after the Nazis took over like yeah um, we we see that American um, horror film especially is very much uh, influenced by it like we see shadows of German expressionism in every film like in Nightmare on M Street uh, there's Nosferatu in in uh, films like The Crow. There's Metropolis. All the backdrops, even of uh, Doctor Caligari. Uh, Doctor Caligari is in every uh, every one of the movies Tim Burton is loved for, for with exception maybe of of uh, Ed Wood. Um, but yeah, uh, this uh, German Expressionism as a genre um, died because uh, people rather wanted to do some mass murder than uh, some relevant. Uh, cultural stuff. So, mm-hmm. I mean... As you same. would, yeah. Every, uh, everyone their own. Um, <laughs> some
2: people are destroyers and some people are creators.
0: Yeah, and the creators just all went to Hollywood and created what we now know as horror. Um, which, which, yeah, it's it, is, is a great thing. I still think it would be... A, we still live among the destroyers. Yeah, 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 but we'll leave. We'll leave. <laughs> um, I think it would be so fun to actually make an expressionist movie. Like, uh... Th- I, 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 I mean, I, I mean, making a making a silent film would 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 take so much of the hassle out of filmmaking. <laughs> and mm-hmm. Just the look of it all. I love I love the expressionist look, and one day I want to make an expressionist movie, like something like Nightmare on M Street with proper expressionist backdrops. Mm-hmm. Um, I've recently like there, there, there's there's an author, German author Hans Heinz Evers, a Nazi too, of course. <laughs> um, he uh, even before the First World War made uh, with the student of Prague one of the very first. Uh, um, instances of horror he basically mm-hmm. is the one who invented horror for the screen um, he wrote a short story called the spider uh, in which a guy gets mm-hmm. hypnotized um, by, by a woman on the other side of the street that he sees through his window who um, makes him kill himself because she's a magical spider woman and I, I always think that would be like um, there isn't a slasher film with a female uh, murderer like I- I- except for maybe sleepaway camp like the the big slasher films—that's all men. Like imagine, imagine that spider character as as, as a kind of as a kind of um, nightmare on M Street, as a kind of Freddy Krueger character um, who who lures uh, people into her spider realm, which looks all Caligari-esque, you know. Wouldn't that be amazing?
2: Yeah, but like, I would, uh, I would more like to give her a reason. Like, why is this creep keep looking at her?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Make make them all uh, deserve it, and and have her go toe to toe with like a female medium. Like during this time, people thought ghosts were real. I, I love that. Well, thought, they uh, still do. 20 yeah yeah but, 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 but back then they had all these séances i mean electricity was kind of new it, it, it's 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 almost logical they said if there is an unseen energy all around us that we can't say uh, see but we mm-hmm. can harness it who says there's not more unseen energies and who says ghosts aren't one of them i think it's i think it's logical all right but i'm i'm i'm, I'm getting sidetracked here <laughs> uh, we have a new category Paula. um it's it's called why is this here in which we speculate why uh, the person who put together this uh, collection put this oh. film in here um and i know that you've listened to episodes of this podcast do you have a, a theory thing. like how does this um how does this fit into the collection
1: i am so curious about this I, I re- you know but the mystery is so much part of the fun it's great um, so yeah i i love the speculation i mean I feel like I'm guessing this is somebody who has studied film at some point or done an elective in film studies or f- thinks, thought of themselves as a film buff at the very least. Um, and I think this film is here because it's the quintessential student movie, you know, film student movie. I think it's obligatory to watch this film if you're studying a film degree. Um I think it, there's you'd be hard pressed to find a film degree course in the world that didn't have this film on it at some point. So I think that's probably why it's there. What about you guys? What do you think?
0: Yeah, what do you think? Why is this here?
3: I think Paula's makes more sense than what I would say.
1: Oh, do you say? <laughs> we want sense. We want fun. Just because it's sense doesn't mean it's right.
3: <laughs> I don't know. I don't he i am still assuming it's a he uh, i thought he just liked the what was her name the only female character jane jane yeah so that's yeah. She, just,
0: she was a big star yes
3: yeah, he just liked jane and wanted to see her as much as she can he can
0: i think you're projecting you're, you're <laughs> <laughs> maybe Nisan, what do you think why is this here
2: well uh we had last time we had two theories uh, rather like also Paula said it's a, a maybe f- a film student or or some a, f- a cineas or someone who's who's uh who who who's a filmmaker or who's interested in filmmaking and we had lots of low and no budget films in the USB stick and this one even though it's a big film now when we read uh, it was just done in a in, in a week uh, which is in, in today terms a low low uh, to no budget move so um it it fits to this theory also we had this other theory that there's this guy or woman, I also think it, it, it's probably a guy um, because the film collection is very uh, male uh, to too many, too many male directors. Um anyways uh we thought it might be someone who is maybe in a cult or something like that and uh and they have this these retools uh projecting uh, <laughs> weird movies um w- without the sound um on onto uh, their retool wall or whatever so uh, what would be more <laughs> perfect than a silent <laughs> movie from the uh fr- from that era to project on your wall for a crazy ritual party so i think uh, this movie fits in both theories i i hope i i come up with with a third theory in the upcoming weeks
0: <laughs> okay so i think i think the truth so far appears to be probably this uh, someone someone organized uh, underground film screenings in those catacombs in uh, Torrox, which is cool like an underground uh, city compartment right at the beach uh film screenings maybe even with music and dancing because yeah there's silent films there's lots of very very visual films so that that appears to 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 be quite probable maybe maybe film students from Malaga would go to that abandoned place because it's quite a remarkable place actually and maybe maybe at one time their party was broken up by the Police and they left the uh, the USB stick in a hurry. <laughs> but here's the fun theory, you guys, because obviously this was put together by a cult, and uh, I th- th- this just came to me uh, when we were talking about this. So uh Siegfried Kracauer um said uh this film anticipated uh, or, or, or the, the, this film this film discussed um questions of of um despotism of dictatorship and of uh, a people being led astray and people later then went and said yes 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 this an- anticipated Hitler this anticipated the poor german people to be to be um to be hypnotized um then we were talking about how how uh, today um the the uh the the Batman films kind of uh, seem to have anticipated like uh, the 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 worldwide protest mo- protest movement of uh, people who just want to see the world burn. Um so uh, uh, and and now think about this. We've talked about this. Who made the first uh, re- uh the, the, the 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 first live action uh, Batman movie, theatrical movie? It was Tim Burton. What influenced Tim Burton? Dr. Caligari. Now, I was asking this question before. Did, um, did Batman create uh, the crazies or did Batman anticipate the crazies? Now, this is my theory. Batman created the crazies. Caligari created the crazies. The cabinet of Dr. Caligari might be the root of all evil. <laughs> this might be the film that was put out into the world to create chaos and evil and, and and um yeah bad politics.
2: So like this is a collection of uh what what attracts and creates the evil.
0: Yeah, I don't know. Maybe 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 some satanic cult just uh just just, just uh, collected. But uh, Marilyn and Arthur. What do we know about, about the people who made Merlin and Arthur? Who knows? Maybe, maybe just not, not enough people have watched it. Do you not think there's credence to my theory?
2: Well, it fits maybe with this film, but when you think about other films, I'm
0: not so sure. So, Dr. Caligari, not the root of all evil? Or
3: maybe Dr. Caligari is Batman.
0: <laughs> I love <laughs> <Yes>. it. <laughs> That's probably why it's here. Um, Dr. Caligari is Batman. Film term of the week. Do we have a film term?
3: I thought Paula found a great one.
1: Do you think? Yeah, it's it was a bit of a cop out, though, to be fair. <laughs> it's I thought of almost langian because fritz lang almost made this film so that was the best i could come up with did anybody else think of one
0: are there other films in this uh category
1: there's fine <laughs> to be almost <laughs>
0: Langian, <laughs> right uh jaren you had one too you said uh mikey mouse symbolism
3: um yeah sure
0: How, uh, elaborate <laughs>
3: <laughs> uh, it's just because of the gloss because it was really distracting to watch <laughs>
0: <laughs> all right, or maybe
2: evil creator
0: evil like, creator
2: like movies who creates the evil
0: ah <laughs> ah so so but 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 i mean that 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 according to conservatives, that's every horror film and every computer game
1: I would argue that art can only ever be a mirror, so it's they're holding up a upper reflection of the society that they saw around them i i don't think they generated it i think they don't help in spreading ideas because they get the ideas to people who might not have thought of them yet but it's mirroring something that exists in the actual real world and hence expressionism because it's mirroring what's going on internally that's what I'm going to say in defense of art
3: <laughs>
0: <laughs> do, you know, do you know the fairy tale um, the ice queen by um, by Hans Christian andersen
1: yeah, yeah, wherever yeah uh,
0: that starts with uh, the devil creating a mirror and uh, then then uh, someone flew around with the mirror and the mirror um, the, the mirror broke and um like the devil created the mirror, so everyone would look into it and would only see what's ugly about the world and what's bad about the world. And then all the all the uh, shards of the mirror would um would 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 would, would, would uh, fly around and and would get into people's eyes, and suddenly they would perceive the world only as evil and as bad. Um, so 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 this could be this could be an ice queen mirror.
2: Ooh, I like that too. <laughs>
0: but yeah uh by the way uh joking everybody listening to this joking is the, uh, art never creates evil um and uh, uh yeah art can always only be a mirror um even a serbian film i guess but i haven't seen it and i'm not planning on
2: i like ice queen mirror
0: yeah i like that
2: no i i don't want to watch that movie too
0: but yeah uh, many ma- many films might be ice queen mirrors um all right. Uh, before we end this, Yaren, favorite quote.
3: Oh yes, this is again from the lady. I forgot the name of.
1: Jane. Jane.
0: <laughs> Lil Dragova.
3: Sure, that's super easier to remember than Jane. <laughs> so she says, "We queens can't follow the impulses of our hearts."
0: okay. Okay. (laughs) I'm not sure how much that is reflected in the rest of the film, but um,
3: yeah, I mean, it doesn't really encompass the movie. She's not getting involved. Mm -hmm.
0: She's not, she's not having it. Yeah. Right. She's a queen. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Wow. That was our Caligari episode. Uh, we have talked for almost two hours. Um, but but yeah, I think it was dense. Paula, is there anything left to say? I mean, there's plenty of things left to say. But anything that oh
1: yeah, there's too much. I just want you to think about who does actually get stabbed and who doesn't get stabbed. And I'm just going to leave you with that. <laughs> and thank <laughs> you so much for having me back. It's been really fun. I hope it's been useful for people.
0: I'm so curious now. Okay. So, 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 so Ellen gets stabbed. I'm
1: just being the, precocious.
0: The town <laughs> official gets stabbed. Oh, 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 oh. Are, are, are we back? Are we back to, 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 to the queer subplot?
1: I think so. I think there
0: might
1: be because you know, it's it's oh, penetrative.
0: Yes, but yet, yes, yes, it, but
1: yeah, there's impotence when it's Jean <coughs> takes her with him, <laughs> drops her, runs away. There's, there's two a actually there.
0: in the movie where, where uh, a woman is in danger of getting stabbed, and both of them don't.
1: And they ah. don't get stabbed. But the men get stubby, stubby, (laughs) stubbed. Yeah.
0: yeah. (laughs) Interesting.
1: (laughs) All right. Um, Yeah
3: great, so, great point up. to leave
0: on <laughs> just direct, I'll just drag my mind out of the gutter noise. no 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 that's that, that's great and the queer subtext uh. is something that we've addressed too little and there's so much more to say about this but okay this this has been almost two hours let's end this Paula thank you so much for joining us uh, so much for uh, mm. obviously not the last time uh, I'm looking forward to those Maya Diren uh, films Whoop.
1: That'll be Um, so much fun! I'm so pumped for that. I love my Darren.
0: It's Mm -hmm. the first, I think, a female director we're going to talk about. (laughs) Might be the only one. (laughs) Yeah, maybe maybe the only one yeah um yeah it's a problem (laughs) also
2: when the when the Nosferatu book uh uh, arrives uh, we will have that episode with Paolo too right
0: yes but that Nosferatu book apparently can take a while like in November or something but yeah um let's do this again this was so much fun thank you so much um for making our podcast worth the listen um okay That was it from from my end. Uh, So I will say bye. Bye. See you bye.
3: Bye.